Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Finance Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Frederick, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Billy Fortier, who is a legal professional, a lawyer who is going to share some great tips around incorporating your business, should you incorporate all the things, whether you're thinking about incorporating or not. Before we get into today's conversation, I just want to give a shout out to all the small businesses here and around the world, but it is Small Business Month here in Canada, and we know the importance of our small businesses and the owners, the economic impact that they have on our community. So just as a consideration this month and every month to get out there and shop local and support local. So Billy, welcome to the conversation. I'm excited to dive in today, but why don't we start by telling our listeners who Billy is, what do you do, and why do you do it? Yeah, thank you, Shauna. It's a, it's an honor to to join you all and to chat with you today. My name is Billy Fortche. Uh, I am a partner with the firm MLT Aikens. Uh, we have offices across uh, Western Canada. I work out of the Calgary office in our corporate commercial and Indigenous practice group. Um, but we have offices in Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Regina, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. So we're focused on Western Canada. My practice is focused on uh, predominantly Indigenous economic development initiatives. Um, So I'm helping First Nations and Métis communities set up their businesses, uh, negotiate partnerships, negotiate mergers and acquisitions, and so on. So pretty unique area, a niche area. While I consider myself a solicitor and a corporate commercial lawyer, I do focus predominantly on those businesses owned by uh, Indigenous uh, communities across Canada. I love the work I do. I, I am from myself from the former Kai First Nation. I'm a member of the former Kai First Nation, Cree, Denny, and French woman. So this work obviously is just very important to me on a more, I guess, a personal level. And I am just proud to just be play a part in just the economic development of our nations and our communities across Canada and just see uh, them thrive and, and really kind of chart their own path and their own self-determination uh, and whether that's through their businesses that can provide long-term growth and sustainability to their communities and that I'm happy to be a part of it. So uh, I live in Calgary and practice out of Calgary, but as you can imagine, I'm on the road quite a bit and visiting my clients in the communities. Uh, but I, I live and work in Calgary for the most part uh, with my uh, husband and two small daughters. Amazing. Thank you so much. And what a what an amazing entrepreneur 
professional for your clients to have on their side, somebody who understands the culture and the communities and the impact and, and being able to drive that impact forward. So kudos to you for, for forging yourself down this path. And we've known each other for quite some time. I haven't, I've, and I, I slowly get bits and pieces of your story. So every time I hear your <laughs> intro, Billy, I'm so fascinated with the work that you're doing. So amazing, amazing. No, I love the Calgary community. As you said, we were we served together on a board uh, years ago, and I love the Calgary community that you know those relationships just stay intact, and we're able to reconnect over this. And I love the work that you're doing, and the work you're doing with female entrepreneurs, and is a topic you know close to my heart as well. So I was very honored to to join you today. Well, thank you. And with that, I you know because we know that. Women in general, women entrepreneurs would rather talk about, you know, death over money. And it is this notion of this, we're not taught this information. So when we think about the accounting and the financial side of things, that's one piece. And then we bring in this legal side of things. So when we're starting our businesses, what do we do? How do we start our business? So let's even start with the basics, Billy. What does it mean to incorporate a business? Let's debunk this myth that as soon as I open my doors or, or you know, put a shingle out on, on the street that I am now an incorporated business. So what does it mean to incorporate a business? Yeah, great question. Um, I will say that there's, you know, quite a few corporate structures that, you know, we can chat about today, uh, namely, you know, a sole proprietorship, a corporation, a general partnership, a limited partnership, uh, joint venture, even a contractual joint venture. These are all the different kind of entities that, you know, I have worked with with clients in the past. So, I mean, the first off, you know, sole proprietor is, uh, you know, quite simple in a way. It's really just somebody who is uh, doing business. Um, they do not have to register, you know, with the corporate registrar and they're not subject to the Alberta, you know, Business Corporations Act. So, you know, a good example of this is, you know, let's say a, a, a painter who wants to sell their their artwork, uh, might set up a sole proprietorship. You know, they're easy and inexpensive to set up. And uh, as I said, there's no uh, regulatory scheme kind of governing them and they have direct control over all the decision making. And, you know, you need you have minimal working capital to to uh, start it up and all the profits go to you directly. So. That is, you know, the benefit of that system. But the disadvantage, of course, is that all the debts and liabilities go directly to you as well. And um, there's unlimited liability. So if you have business debt, debts, claims can be made against you in your personal uh, capacity. And a creditor can go after your personal assets to, to, pay, to pay them off. Uh, so you do expose yourself to some measure of risk. But again, it kind of depends on what industry you decide to go into. Then maybe you're comfortable with that risk. For example, you know, with an artist, you know, what kind of risk are you incurring? Now, if you're deciding to get into a more high risk business, let's say, you know, just off the top of my head, like some kind of service provider or something in the health industry, like those kinds of, you know, industries that carry more inherent risk and liabilities associated with it, then I would definitely, you know, recommend to somebody that they incorporate their business. And the reason that we want to incorporate our business, the advantage of that, of course, is to protect you as the owner of the corporation from liability. And that's the main benefit to a corporate structure. There's others, of course, and um, Shauna, you can probably speak this better than me, but there, you know, there's tax, you know, tax advantages of that. Uh, the income and the revenues that you bring in uh, will be charged, will be taxed at a corporate rate uh, as compared to a, a personal employment income rate. 
So there's other things to think about there too. But um, and then also importantly, you are subject to and are governed by the Alberta Business Corporations Act. So there's a whole law in Alberta that will govern how your business is run. So that's very important. So we talked about the rules governing Alberta corporations here in Alberta. What about across Canada? Just so does each province have their own set of regulations for an incorporated business? Yes, exactly. So every jurisdiction in Alberta, um, every province, every territory will have its own Business Corporations Act or version thereof. Uh, to be honest, they're all quite similar um, for the most part. There will be some discrepancies amongst them, but um, some similar, there will be overlap between them. You can also uh, incorporate your entity on the, under the Federal Business Corporations Act, the Canada Business Corporations Act as well. Advantages to that is if you're incorporated under the federal act, then you're able to operate your business across Canada, but then you still have to register your corporation under each jurisdiction, if that makes sense. So there's still some unique requirements there. Uh, but if you know that you're going to be operating your business across Canada, then that's definitely something you'll want, you'd want to look into. If, for example, you are just going to be operating your business within Alberta, but maybe one day down the road might expand into BC, what we do is we call that an extra provincial registration, and you would then be required to register your business also in BC. The uh, penalty, there's penalties associated if you do not register your business in a jurisdiction that you're, that, quote, doing business in, um, carrying an on business. Now, that definition, I won't get into details of that, but that can vary amongst all the different you know, Business Corporations Act in each province. Um, but there is, if you were, you know, found to be doing business in a jurisdiction you weren't registered in, there are, you know, penalties associated with that. So definitely something to, to keep in mind. Interesting. So does doing business mean I have a physical presence there? Like if I'm acting in a consulting role in some capacity? So when is that requirement to extra provincially register or register at the federal level? That's a favorite answer of lawyers. That it depends. Um, <laughs> and accountants. <laughs> and accountants. Yes, thank you. I'm glad it's not just us. It depends on the, the governing legislation. Okay. So I will say that, you know, there, every governing legislation of each jurisdiction will have maybe a different definition of what carrying on business means. For the most part, you have to think about things like, do I have an office in this in this jurisdiction? Um, do I have employees that are working within this jurisdiction? Do I own property in this jurisdiction? Um, so those are some of the big ticket items. I think that you'd really, are you advertising, you know, in that jurisdiction? Where's your client base? Like there's some things that you'll want to start thinking about, but again, you would have to consult a lawyer to figure out on a case by case basis, where am I carrying on business and where do I need to register? It's so important. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, miss, read potentially the the need to consult with professionals as they're setting something up and we'll we'll talk about you know the you know who we need to talk to as we're setting up our company but i think it's important that it there's so many areas that the answer is going to be it depends on your situation <laughs> and that's yeah. why i'm sure one of your you know favorite sayings that you hear from your clients is well my friend is doing it this way so i'm going to continue doing it that way as well <laughs> when they're running separate businesses so <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely is, you know, on a, a case by case basis, you want to address each business and especially as I said earlier, each industry on a case by case basis, each industry will have very unique needs and very unique exposures to risk. As I said, again, you're operating like a gas station that has different risks than operating a retail store. 
Absolutely. for example. So yeah, it's case by case. Amazing. Okay, great start. So the the incorporation piece is the biggest difference between being incorporated and not being incorporated. Is that where that liability falls? Or what? what's the biggest difference there between being a sole proprietor or an incorporated company? Yeah, I think the biggest difference there, as you said, is the protection from liability. So the, the main reason why most people you know, incorporate is to limit the liability to the owners, where in their sole proprietorship, as I said earlier, there's unlimited liability. So as I said earlier, any debts, obligations, um, you run into some, some issues there, a creditor can go after you and your personal assets. Of course, there's ways to um, avoid that. Um, you can, you have, we would recommend you have, you know, some sort of general liability insurance to help protect you in that instance. Uh, but definitely a corporation, um, the main difference there is that you have limited liability and you're governed under, uh, you know, provincial legislation. Some of the other you know, aspects, there's differing roles there, of course, too. There's owners, what we call shareholders, there's directors, and then there's a manager, your officers of the of the corporation that all has to be filed with the corporate registrar. And there's a whole host of documentation and setup that goes along with that as well. Okay. So lots of information that we need to consider. Yes. Even so, I'm I'm say I'm running as a sole proprietor. I have been for a couple of years, or I'm thinking about even starting up a business. What's the first step in determining if I should even incorporate my business? Well, I think just considering some of the factors that we just mentioned today, like, you know, what is your business? Um, Is there some risks associated with it that you want to protect yourself under a corporate structure? If so, you know, again, you know, talk to some advisors, talk to an accountant, talk to a lawyer and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Do you think that it would be advantageous for me to incorporate? Do you think that it's going to reduce my personal risk to incorporate? Also, you want to start thinking about things like who's going to be the owner of this corporation? Who's going to run the corporation? So if it's just you, one individual, one female entrepreneur by herself, then, you know, you might, you know, be attracted to the sole proprietorship structure for the interim, but that's you want to grow one day and you want um, investors and you want to, uh, you know, buy a property or merge, you know, amalgamate with other business or bring on, you know, a, a board of directors and more advisors, then that's kind of where this whole corporate structure comes into play because you can't really do that in the sole proprietorship. It's, it's just kind of you that's kind of running and controlling you know, the whole endeavor. You, of course, with a sole proprietorship can still bring on employees and and so on, but then you'll have to register for a business number and there's, you know, some steps to to go there. So it's really, I think, um, depending on what is your business, what's your long-term intention for your business? Um, who do you want uh, to run the business with you? Do you want to have multiple owners? Do you want some people just want to own a corporation and will actually want to have nothing to do with the, the running of the corporation. Um, I just want you know, an, an independent board of directors and management team just to run it all. And maybe at that point, you know, like that's what your vision for your company is and you don't really want to be involved in the day to day. Well, that does not work for a sole proprietorship. It's all on you at that point. So if you want to incorporate and you can be a shareholder and then just let your, you know, your board and your officers kind of run the show. So it's really, again, you know, it really depends on what, you know, the vision of each entrepreneur is. And this is where we go back to the importance of that business plan. Looking at, okay, this is, these are the reasons why I'm setting up this business. Here's my, you know, one, three, five year objectives so that you can start getting this structured from the beginning. Um, And also knowing that we don't have to set it up. We don't have to incorporate at the beginning, 
right? Mm -hmm. It's going back to that business plan, as you mentioned, to say, here's my objectives, does it make sense now? But more importantly, reaching out to the professionals to have that conversation, uh, to help them, you know, ask the questions so that they can better guide you. Exactly. So Billy, you talked about lawyers and accountants. Who are some of the other, you know, advisors or members, team members that should be involved in making that decision on whether or not to incorporate? Yeah, I think lawyers and accountants is a big one. You know, even like your bookkeeper, I, you know, I, I've I've seen just, you know, personal, even tax advisor, bookkeeper, accountant, um, even, you know, somebody at the bank who's managing maybe your your finances or, or your investments, they might kind of identify. I've seen, you know, sole proprietors come to me and saying, yeah, you know, my tax advisor or my accountant, or my bookkeeper flagged, like they're making more income now. Like, Maybe you want an income split or maybe you want to put in a corporation like there's, of course, I'm not a, you know, a tax lawyer or a, or a tax advisor. Don't quote me on that. But there can always be different reasons to to maybe like more tax incentives also to, you know, to incorporate or change your, your structure. Um, so you can best take advantage um, of those tax of those tax structures some tax incentives. So um, that I kind of see that as, as one of the main kind of, you know, uh, impetus, you know, to to change your corporate structure. So, you know, various professional advisors around you. Um, and again, it could, you know, just be even, um, even like a more personal relationship. Maybe there's somebody like around you who's maybe a consultant or a contractor and, and they, you know, kind of push you to maybe change your structure in a certain way. So it could just be even the people that you work with that, you know, provide some kind of clarity on next steps. Such great information. And, you know, even so you talk about going from a sole proprietor to potentially an incorporated company as your situation changes, but it's going the other way as well. Potentially you're nearing the the ending stage of running your business or it's right. you're looking at exiting does now is now a good time to, you know, potentially look at if you're just winding down the business, flipping it to a sole proprietor. Right. So it's looking at it both ways, depending on that business plan and where you're at. So yeah, I love exactly. that. Yeah, that looking at it from both the tax perspective and the liability perspective, incorporating that business plan. So important mm -hmm. and bringing in those advisors that are that are trusted to you. And on that same note, then, because we know that for startups, cash flow is tight. The last thing that uh, any entrepreneur usually wants to spend money on is lawyers and accountants. <laughs> so, <laughs> When should I engage the support of a lawyer to incorporate? I have to admit, okay, so you can you can incorporate, you can go down to a local registry and you can incorporate your business. Um, there probably is a flat fee, I assume, associated with that. You can set up your your corporation. After that, you know, there's certain steps you'll want to you'll want to set up. You know, your GST number, um, get your business number. You'll want to get insurance in place. Probably there's all these other other steps you'll want to take after incorporating. You'll want to think about whether I'm taking on um, employees and and what does that mean for for the corporation as well. I will, of course, you know, I would give a plug to us in the legal profession because some people, you know, are comfortable with setting all that up, and then other people, for example. When they're incorporating, I've I've heard people say, "Well, I I was at the registry and I didn't know what to put in for a shareholder, directors, officers, where the re records office was going to be, who my auditor was. I didn't know how to answer any of these questions." So um, there is, you know, some planning, as you said, like your business plan, what goes into that, and and so if you're a sophisticated uh, business owner and you know you've been a, in business for a long time, you might be able to go in there and just answer all those questions, set up your corporation, and feel completely fine with it. 
and run that corporation for a few years without really even having to really, you know, engage, engage um, legal counsel. However, if you feel uncomfortable and you're at the place where, you know, you, you don't understand, you know, the differences between a shareholder, director and officer, and you don't understand who will be in which role, uh, then I would definitely say, you know, you, you really do need to seek, you know, the professional opinion of uh, legal counsel, because there are duties and obligations and rights that go with each of those three roles, which is very important. If you were, for example, to set up a corporation with multiple shareholders and an independent board, you know, there's reporting obligations, you know, back to the shareholders, for example. You have to maintain a minute book, for example, that has all your corporate records because your shareholders have a right to review your corporate record. Uh, so depending, again, on your structure, you know, you want to be in a place where you're able to comply with those those rules and regulations under, again, the Business Corporations Act and the jurisdiction that you're operating in. So, yeah, some things, you know, to think about. Mm-hmm. And I think the benefit as well, because you can go down to registries and and I believe you can, in, in many provinces, print off the documents that you need to fill out. Mm-hmm. And maybe just print them off and and you can be prepared so that you can go and talk to a lawyer to say, here's what I know, here's what I don't know, what am I missing? Yeah. Because I think that's for many entrepreneurs, right? It's that preparation so they're not going in completely un, into the unknown world of I don't know what's happening here. So, and I don't is if it's something that your office does or if other lawyers do this, is there a flat rate fee for startup businesses to get some support? Is there an initial phone call that doesn't cost any money? Like what's... What's a startup entrepreneur to do here? Yeah, no, really good question. Most firms, you know, my firm included, if we were have going to have, you know, a, an intro conversation with a potential client and just understand, you know, you know what they need, most firms will not charge for that. Um, we'll just get a sense of, you know, what are you looking for? And then probably give a quote. So once I understand, this is what you're looking for. You just want us to help incorporate. So in our case with our firm, you know, probably similar with other firms as well, we offer a, a flat rate incorporation uh, rate just to get you incorporated. That's that get all of your organizational documents filed, get everything filed, the corporate registrar, get your board set up, um, issue your share certificates. We do this a complete, you know, corporate organizational bundle for you. We send everything out for signature, get your minute book all set up. And then we'll often ask this the client then too, would you like us to maintain your minute book? Um, or would you like to maintain it? I say like 95% of the time they ask us to maintain it. Uh, because if you do not, for example, uh, file your annual returns, the corporate registrar, you can be struck. Um, meaning that your company is no longer active. Yeah. It can be revived under certain circumstances. I won't get into details about that right now, but that's quite a common um, issue if you're if a, if you are you know maintaining your annual returns and maybe some people don't realize they have to file anything with the corporate registrar um, and you know as you as you mentioned Shawnee, you know, sometimes that could be confused with a, a tax return and a but this annual return that I'm talking about has nothing to do with your taxes it's about whatever jurisdiction you're incorporated in you're obligated on a yearly basis to submit to the corporate registrar certain resolutions and a return basically setting out you know who your directors are whether you um, have appointed an auditor um, and so on. So there's a kind of a, there's certain things you need to confirm with the corporate registrar on a year to year basis. And as I said, if you don't, then your corporation is not functioning anymore. So some things to think about there too, but yeah, sorry for, for startup, you know, that, I would just reach out to our firm and just say, look, I just want to um, understand, you know, what the process is to incorporate, what the costs are associated with it. And just emphasize, you know, like I want a set quote 
and I don't, you know, I'm a startup corporation. I just want to know just how to incorporate. And then, you know, after that, you know, if I need legal advice going from there, that's a different story. Um, but just to get me incorporated and get my my business off the ground here, what does that look like? And most firms will give you, you know, a ch- uh, you know, step by step. This is what we the information we need from you. And this will be the the rate, basically, or the set fee that we're going to be charging you for that. And honestly, like in my opinion, I think it can really alleviate a lot of the stress when you know that everything was set up properly. I know that's such a lawyer answer, but like it makes me feel better (laughs) when everything was set up properly at the beginning. And then I think it alleviates the stress for the entrepreneur. Like, you know, that everything was done properly. Everything's, you know, filed with the registrar. Your board is set up. Your officers are set up. Um, Everything's ready to go because you have a lot of things, other things you need to think about. Then you're going to start thinking about, you know, your your bank accounts and you know registering your GST number and what you know should I get an accountant and what do my accountants say and do, do I need employees do I need insurance so as you said there's so many other things to think about I think it's just really nice probably just for an entrepreneur to know that that corporation was done properly set out of the way and we can actually focus on the operation of what the entrepreneur likes to do is running their business. Absolutely, and you know, Billy, I Billy, I love the fact that you brought in that ask the lawyer, like call the law firm and say, I would like a simple incorporation structure. What is your flat fee for that? Yes. Because again, it goes back to you, especially for women, over 62% of us would rather talk about our own death than money. So even when it comes to engaging in, in professional services, it's very difficult to have that conversation to say, how much is this going to cost me? But we're allowed to have those conversations. And on the flip side, as, as legal professionals, even as, a, as accountants, we have to offer that information up as well. We have to be upfront. with This is how much it's going to cost you because it's changing the narrative from the professional side as well as encouraging women entrepreneurs to ask those questions because it's okay to ask the question. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, you know, a good advocate for a client would say, okay, I know this is like a new process. So I'm going to set out for you what the process is going to look like, what it's going to cost, how long it's going to take. Um, sometimes, you know, some, some clients um, need to bid on some new work and they're like, I need like, you know, the RFP comes out, you know, there's due on Tuesday and I need it incorporated by there. Like, okay. Like, so, you know, there's might be unique, you know, <laughs> like timelines and deadlines associated with, you know, certain industries as well, which I do deal with. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I suspect even the, oh, now I want to go into Manitoba or Saskatchewan to do business and I'm not registered there. So what do I need to do in order to, you know, get that work there? So exactly, uh, love that, that yeah, you're absolutely right. Being an advocate for the client as well to say, this is what we can do and to take that stress off because it can yeah. be very, it's very, it's very exciting starting a new business, but there is a lot going on. So anytime yeah. that you can have an advocate out there and your advisor that's watching walking you through that system. I, I so appreciate that. Yeah. And not to throw a wrench in the whole conversation, but if you're thinking about a not-for-profit corporation, that's a whole other set of things. So just to throw that out there. So you have your for-profit corporation and a whole, like a, a certain uh, uh, law and uh, legislation that applies to for-profit and you have certain legislation and acts in Alberta and federally that apply to not-for-profit entities. Um, so completely different legislation. So I just want to throw that out there too. Very important. If you want to uh, register for your, um, for charitable status, that's a whole separate application as well. That takes, I understand, you know, quite a lot of time. And so something to think about there too, totally different considerations for a nonprofit and a for-profit. 
Such a great point, Billy. Thanks for bringing that up. And with that, I would always advise clients, if you're looking at not-for-profit and registry or charitable registry status, 100% engage accountant and legal mm-hmm. professional advice because it is, it's, it's an entirely different ballgame. Yeah. And yeah, trying to get that charitable status uh, is, it can be challenging. So if you have somebody that can walk you through the steps to guide you through that process, uh, to really advocate for it on your behalf, such, such a a less stressful process, I think. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Okay. We talked about the annual return, which I appreciate you bringing that in because I don't know how many times I can, I can count. Like there's too many times to count that somebody would have not filed their annual return which means that their company, it, what happens is you get a nice little letter from from the provincial government saying your company is going to be struck from registries, which yep. no owner likes to see. And they no. come back to the accountant saying, I thought you filed my tax return. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, that we. But again, there it's this nuance between well, yes. what's this annual return and what's this provincial tax return? So just yeah. So for all the owners out there, your annual return is different than your tax return, and it's important that you're filing that on an annual basis. And somebody like the team at Billy's office can 100% help you with that. Yes. So can we talk a little bit high level on, so we've talked about, you know, whether or not, you know, different types of incorporations, uh, we talked about, you know, tax and, and liability. What about if I'm going into business with somebody else? So whether that's a partnership or an incorporated company with a couple of shareholders, can we talk high level on the importance of having, you know, what we refer to as a USA or a universal shareholder agreement and what that is? Yeah, of course. So I want to first differentiate to the difference between a partnership um, under the Partnership Act and a corporation under the Alberta Business Corporations Act. Uh, A partnership is formed between two people to make profit between like two or more entities. Uh, It's usually governed by a partnership agreement and also under the the Partnership Act. I, I want to make it clear that the partnership, when you set up a partnership, there's, you know, certain risks associated with that. Um, you know, the liabilities and debts and liabilities of the partnership are, you know, split, you know, jointly severally between the partners. Um, if one of the partners uh, does something not great, like engages in fraud or misspends the money, you as a partner are on the hook for that as well. So I just want to kind of clarify that. I hear sometimes this loose language. I'm going to partner with so-and-so and I'll say, what do you mean by partner? Is it big P partner, like under the Partnership Act? Is it I'm going to go into business with somebody, set up a corporation, and we're going to be 50-50 shareholders? Is it a limited liability partnership? Or is it a limited partnership? Um, it's a joint venture. So I just uh, throw that out there. So I often hear the word partner, and I often, I what do you, what's the intention of the partnership? What do you mean by partner? So you kind of want to Suss that out. So, as I said earlier, there's there's general partnerships, there's uh, limited partnerships, which I actually work with a ton with my uh, First Nation and Métis cl- uh, clients because it's the best uh, combination of um, limited liability protection and uh, uh, tax advantages for specifically for First Nation and Métis community because the income is taxed in the hands of the limited partners. So, if you can structure your your limited partnership in just a way that your limited partners can take advantage of certain tax exemptions under the Income Tax Act, then that's ideal. But that's a whole other story we can go down. 
for a corporation, if you want to start start a business, you know, if you have one or more fellow owners that all want to start a business together. So let's say you incorporate a new business. So let's say there's two uh, shareholders, meaning like two owners, you subscribe for shares in the corporation. And uh, what we normally would recommend for those individuals is you should have a unanimous shareholders agreement in place. The reason for a unanimous shareholders agreement is basically it's an agreement between the shareholders about how to govern the corporation and to kind of um, address some big ticket items like if we want to get out of the corporation one day, sell my shares, um, how do we go about doing that? Um, if there's a fight between the shareholders, what do we, how do we go about doing that? Are there any matters between the shareholders that we want to have unanimous approval by the shareholders on? Um, as we know, in a corporate structure, the shareholders are really not supposed to be involved in the operation of uh, the business. Um, they're really only going to be involved in electing the directors uh, reviewing financials and approving of a disillusion or sale of majority of the assets of the the corporations or amalgamations those big those bigger items. But I'll see shareholders sometimes who say no, like we want to have control over certain matters. So, for example, if you know the company takes on certain debt um, or brings on certain other shareholders, or you know we want control over the sale of certain shares, or we want control over what contracts you know the, the company can can enter into, and that can really be when you're working maybe a very competitive industry. Um, so you'll have you know things like non-competition provisions in there, non-solicitation. You want to make sure that your your fellow owners and shareholders are not competing then with your own corporation that you set up together, right? So there's certain things that you want to set up in the unanimous shareholders agreement. So anyways, a whole host of things to kind of consider. But anytime I see a client um, that is incorporating, there's one or more owners, and we definitely would recommend they set up a USA. Um, another thing to think about, especially if you're a female entrepreneur, for example, and you're going to buy into a corporation and you're you're a minority shareholder, you may not have rights to have a board. Like You might not have representation on the board as a minority shareholder, but you just dumped a whole bunch of money in there and you have no say on how the corporation is run. So you might want a USA and say, hey, even though I'm a minority shareholder, I want to make sure it's written in the USA that I at all times have the right to nominate a, a director, so I will have a say on the on how the the corporation is run. So that's an example as well. And then also, again, there's certain rights that will come along with that, with disposing or selling your shares that you may not have without a USA. So you want to protect your interests as a, a minority shareholder. These are such important conversations, and again, things that we may not think about. And I mm -hmm. I often relate it similar to a prenup as you're getting married. Right. Yes. I mean, you're not going into a marriage or a business with the anticipation that it is going to fail, but you need to have some documentation to ensure that your rights and your and your partner, your little P partner, your yes. <laughs> um, yeah. that they're that everybody's rights are protected so that you have a governing structure if something goes wrong. And it could be something like a sudden death. Right. So you want to make yeah. sure that these are documented. So I'm assuming that this is something that your firm also provides in that uh, in that incorporation package uh, that you spoke of. 
No, that would be aside from a corporation package. So we would incorporate and then the follow-up question would be, okay, I see you have two shareholders. Would you like to you know, discuss a unanimous shareholders agreement? And again, USA will obviously, you know, vary depending on um, you know, minority and majority shareholders, what the shareholder structure is like. If the shareholders are corporations, the USA will look very different as compared to if they were two individuals. So if you and your friend are going into business together. The USA will look a little bit different. So, as you just said, a really good point. I'll often include some kind of you know default provisions in the USA, especially if there's individual shareholders. Because what happens upon a death of a shareholder? What happens upon a marriage breakdown with one of the shareholders? And the spouse has rights to the assets of that individual, and then all of a sudden you're in business with maybe this ex-spouse that you never intended to be in business with because they got the assets out of that marriage breakdown. And it sounds wild, but you don't think about these things and they but they happen and all of a sudden you're like looking oh, oh let's look at the usa you know unfortunately we had dealt with this last year we have set up a corporation and unfortunately one of the shareholders passed and so right away well, okay yeah we have that all covered under the usa um and what the options are upon you know the passing of of a share of a shareholder so things to think about right because how's that going to be dealt with under their state and then who's going to get the shares and the assets, you know, the shares in that corporation, same thing again, I intended to go into business with this person. And now I'm in business with their son, all of a sudden, and do I want to be in business with their son or their daughter and so on. So very important things to to think about. And especially, you know, again, the considerations are so different if you're already incorporated, and then you're going to buy shares in other corporation with your corporation, totally different, you know, kind of consideration as compared to I myself am personally you know holding shares um and what does that mean for me so some different you know considerations to think about amazing such such great information and just things to consider as you're going down this entrepreneurial journey so Billy you've provided our listeners with a host of information is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners that I haven't asked you I would mention this is not my area, so I will caveat that right away. But you have to think about, I would caution people often to think about intellectual property mm-hmm. as well. If they have certain intellectual property rights and they're incorporating, you know, what does that mean for the intellectual property? Is it then going to be transferred to the corporation? Is the corporation going to own it? Are you providing any kind of licensing agreement and so on? You want to think about that. Uh, I would definitely, you know, recommend if you're kind of in that kind of industry or business that has certain intellectual property rights, you really do want to talk to an IP lawyer because that is the value in your business. And if that's not appropriately protected, then you're risking your your livelihood, really. Another great point. And in season two of the Finance Cafe podcast, uh, we had a wonderful lawyer from Border Ladner Gervais uh, talk about that exact thing. And sure. yeah, if that's if that's something that our listeners are in, head back to season two to have a listen to that because there is such great information on there. Billy, I just want to do a quick recap here. So we talked initially about, you know, what does it mean to incorporate and some of those things that you should really be looking at because the answer is going to be it depends. Sorry, listeners, I know you hate it when I say that as well, but <laughs> as professionals, it, do, it does depend. So considering tax liability, tax liabilities, uh, personal liabilities, you know, looking to your business plan, what does your business plan stay? What are your one year, five year, 10 year? What are your long term goals for this company? Where do you want to take it? Reaching out to professionals, accountants, lawyers, bankers, 
you know, your other, your other personal board of directors around you have the conversations, get your questions asked to make sure that you're structured correctly from the beginning, because it's so much easier to get it set up, easy set up right from the start than to try and unravel something down the road. And I'm sure Billy, you've seen that lots in your career with respect to uh, uh, something potentially not being set up as, as correctly as it could have been from the beginning. Ask what fees are talk to your advisors and advisors talk to your clients be advocates for them tell them you know talk to them about this are, these are some of the things that you can should consider here's the services that we can provide or more importantly here's somebody else that you can go to to have those conversations because it will take you know an army of advisors to do this it can't just take one individual and more importantly, if you are going into business with somebody, if you're going into business and having one or more owners, another shareholder, consider the the USA. This is something that can protect you as you uh, go down your entrepreneurial journey to ensure that if something does happen, there's some guiding principles that you can fall back on to uh, help alleviate if something goes wrong, whether that's, you know, death, divorce, or just a parting of ways because sometimes things don't work. So Billy, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today and for all the information that you shared. More importantly, if our listeners would like to connect with you, where can they find you? Oh, they can find me on our website or uh, on LinkedIn. You wonderful. can look up my name or reach out to me there. But yeah, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you and a really important topic. So I hope that this was was useful. So useful. And we will ensure that all of your information is in our show notes. So if you want to connect with Billy, please uh, reach out to her directly, connect with her on LinkedIn and uh, wishing all of our listeners a wonderful rest of your week and happy small business month. And let's all remember to support local this month and every month. Thanks, Billy. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at The Finance Cafe Official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of The Finance Cafe Podcast.